Get ready to dive into the world of revenue marketing with the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing podcast brought to you by Revenue Marketing Alliance. Join host Eve Chen as she sits down with Nick Zangre, Vice President of Customer Success and Revenue Operations at CaliberMind, to unravel the secrets of marketing attribution and its profound impact on revenue marketers. Plus, don't miss their fascinating conversation on key stats and revelations from the latest State of Revenue Marketing report. Download the report now using the link in the description and get ready to revolutionize your marketing game. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. I'm your host, Eve Chen, and this is another episode of Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. So today's episode, uh, we'll be exploring the world of marketing attribution and the importance um, of it for marketers, especially for revenue marketers. Um, there are three areas that I would like to dive in. And, uh, um, these really are some of the, you know, known facts that we uh, know about. Um, so, um, that really highlight that uh, how attribution platforms can help uh, bridge the gap in recognition and also respect for revenue marketers. So, um, I would like to, uh, for this particular episode, we're really, really happy to uh, welcome Nick Zengri. Uh, Nick Zengri is a founding member of uh, Caliber Mind, which is a B2B marketing to, uh, attribution platform. Really excited to have him joining us today. Um, Nick um, is uh, uh, on top of uh, being the founding member of Caliber Mind. Uh, Nick called himself the RevOps Jedi Master with over 20 years experience. And he has led teams to win multiple industry awards and introducing both Alpha and Marketo Partner of the Year. And he has held a marketing technology positions at also um, Microsoft and at Roe, and has two degrees from Boston College. Currently, that Nick is overseeing customer success at uh, Caliber Mind, helping uh, customers achieve revenue marketing nirvana. So without further ado, welcome, Nick. Thanks so, so much for the warm intro. Thank you so much, Nick. Um, so yeah, Nick, uh, I think that the, before the podcast and you and I had briefly chatted about the, this topic and, uh, um, there are three, uh, um, I guess, you know, I can call that challenge areas that the marketing, um, folks and marketing professionals still face today. Um, so we know that, uh, you know, marketing attribution data is a very, very critical part of uh, uh, revenue marketers role. However, um, revenue marketers still today, you know, very much are feeling undervalued. They are not really getting the recognition, um, you know, deserved uh, within a lot of organizations. Um, that's number one known facts. And uh, um, I want to dive into these particular areas and really discuss, you know, how uh, platform like attributions and uh, marketing attribution technology can help marketers achieve, you know, this particular goal better. Um, and the second point that obviously, you know, we still know that there is a lot of data silos, uh, um, you know, around, uh, you know, the marketing revenue journey. Um, so, you know, I don't know, like the, the average system being used uh, within marketing department, B- B2B marketing these days. And, you know, when I was in-house and, uh, um, you know, even that I was in channel marketing when I first joined Lexmark, um, they were like a dozen systems, you know, we have to tap into. And most often that the, the systems don't talk to each other. 
And uh, that itself is incredibly challenging. Uh, obviously, you know, that was 20 years ago almost. And so, um, you know, things has changed a lot, a lot, move on. So re- I really like to tap into your knowledge and um, the clients that you're serving and uh, in, on this area, what is the current status like? Um, how can we further improve those uh, data silos? And lastly, that you mentioned to me that uh, before the podcast show that, you know, uh, what the biggest challenge really when it comes to marketing attribution is the starting point. So um, also that I would like to um, dive into that further to understand, you know, a little bit more why that is the case and how can we address that that challenge itself as well. So, um, yeah, but before we started uh, going into those uh, major topics, um, could you, I'm really curious about your journey. Um, how did you come to finding Caliber Mind? And uh, tell us a little bit more about that journey, please. And I think uh, that'll be really helpful for our listeners. Yeah, you bet. Sounds like a, a really great agenda, Eve. Um, so yeah, my journey is, you know, partially being at the right place at the right time, uh, as well as, you know, being willing to change career paths and, and realize something's not for you. So I started in um, higher education as a college recruiter, got my master's in higher education. Um, you know, I, I realized at, at the time, just graduated college, I was actually playing poker at nights, uh, at night and then doing education during the day. And, uh, you know, for, for better or worse, the, uh, the president of the college caught me sleeping at my desk after an all night poker session one night. And he realized we had a heart to heart and he said, you know, is education really for you? Um, You know, are you passionate about it? And I had to do a a long introspection and and look in the mirror. And then, so I basically started my career in marketing as an intern at uh, a company called Fast Search um, through a temp agency, believe it or not, uh, 20 something years ago and uh, right place at the right time because we were just implementing systems like Salesforce and Eloqua marketing automation. And this is before there were 11,000 possible marketing tools to buy. You know, there were a handful. So these were the the best in breed. And and having a small marketing team, I got to be the system administrator uh, of Salesforce and, and Eloqua. So fast forward a couple years, we got acquired by Microsoft. Um, I became a full-time employee, uh, grew up at, you know, as a responsible contributing member of society, you know, <laughs> no more all-night uh, poker sessions during the week. And um, before I knew it, I was consulting uh, with the Pedowitz Group. Okay. And uh, oh, I think no. I geeked at the Pedowitz Group actually um, coined the term revenue marketing uh, or, or was one of the first to, to pioneer it. So you know, I got exposed to this concept of revenue marketing really early in right. my career, which was fantastic. Yeah. You know, not something you, you'd search on Google and, and even see. Uh, but the, the concept holds true because at that time, marketers were, they were trying to be more accountable and CMOs were known as, you know, drawing pretty pictures and only concerned about brand. And then the advent of revenue marketing, I became really passionate about. And so... Um, consulted for five or six years with them, leading the te- leading the services team. Did a lot of Marketo implementations and Eloqua implementations, and then the travel of a of a consulting role uh, burned me out a bit. So yeah. I, I ended up being client side after that, 
working at Fisher Investments and AdRoll, running their demand gen and uh, marketing operations teams. At, and at that time, um, there were this there was this explosion of marketing tools coming out to the market. Um, so data silos, as you mentioned, more and more yeah. data silos pro- proliferating. And at the same time, the uh, marketing executive team and the and the CXO, CFO, CEO, they um, they were uh, imposing more and more scrutiny on our marketing budget and, and and ROI, and we didn't have the skills on our team to integrate those data silos, maybe build a data warehouse and, and BI tool implementation, uh, et cetera. So I became really passionate about this. So I met the Calvermine uh, co-founders, and we set out to solve this problem um, a little over six years ago, and it's been a a wild journey, uh, but I think a very important one to enable revenue marketing um, through technology and, and process um, and best practices. So here we are. Yeah, That's- no, absolutely. And and that journey is absolutely interesting because um, uh, um, it, it's almost a bit of parallel to what I experienced as well that, uh, back in Australia. So that was uh, 2009, I think that was a publication, a book came out from um, co-founders of Alupa and talking about the 360 degree, um, you know, the, the digital uh, body language. And the digital yeah, body language. Right, exactly, right. 360 degree digital body language. And um, at the time, it was such an interesting concept to me. And uh, it's almost uh, in a way that we opened the Pandora box. And the more you dig in, the more you found that, oh, my gosh, there's, there's so much deficiency there. And okay. to get this thing right itself become a massive project, right? Um, when I was uh, um, promoted to uh, head of marketing for Lexma, and um, and so I was looking after the enterprise thing as well. And then that's where the, I started to deploy similar Alucard and Salesforce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. And, and the, the stack like, looks a little different these days, but yeah. Back then, yeah, that was, right. That was the best for the breed back then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. And uh, and the first thing I realized is that, wow, this is actually even to adopt this technology, um, you know, it's a project itself. You know, we need trainings and we need process. And it's not just the tech side, but, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of human elements that we are not really up to, um, up to the task. And uh, um, so even with Salesforce and, uh, um, you know, to getting our sales team to adopt it, and uh, funny enough, like it was really um, price-driven concern. Uh, we, we weren't actually integrating Aloqua and Salesforce at a time as well, because, you know, it gets really, all of a sudden it gets really costly when it's all funded out of marketing budget. Because at that time, there's no culture, right? There's no company culture saying that, hey, we need to actually implement. And no, and no, um, no RevOps function either. Right. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's really your general marketers and um, primarily is driven by marketing people as well, because trying to get uh, information out and have more insights about how those information are being received, right? And so it was really down to, uh, in a sense that, you know, itself in silo too. So the project, you know, wasn't collaborating with IT, wasn't in, collaborating with sales. And in my personal experience anyway, was just, you know, driven by, I want to be able to see the result of my campaign. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and do do more with less, basically. You know, it was uh, yeah. really challenged and, by the. Well, and back then, and back then, I don't even know if we knew uh, in in transparency that the measurement was the thing. We were trying to generate leads, and there was this golden age. You mean I can I can send an automated email out to uh, to my whole database? You know, that was a, a brand new concept, all personalized. Of course, the first email I ever sent out from Alcoa, there was a broken link in it to the whole database, right? Everybody, <laughs> everybody makes a mistake like that when they're starting. But uh, yeah, yeah but, 100%. Now, we have, now that we have all these tools and we're, we have digital ads and retargeting and offline events, all these different channels, now it's really the measurement is becoming the thing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. In, in fact, that um, the Revenue Marketing Alliance just published uh, 2023, the state of the revenue marketing oh, uh, report, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it, it does actually highlight exactly that. In fact, I think it was on page 16. Um, well, I, I won't actually, you know, talk about the rest of the report, but, you know, so go on to um, Revenue Marketing um alliance.com page and to download the report i think i highly encouraging uh, our listener to do that uh we will also uh as this uh, podcast gear launched um we'll also put that on the linkedin page as well for people to download this report um it, it highlighted this you know um the importance of uh, marketing attribution um to the point that uh, I think last year that uh, um, it, it was mentioning, uh, the participant mentioned that there's a 47.2% of the participant um, saying that it's one of the top um, objective. But um, this year, we have a staggering 70.6% of the participant um, saying that this is, in fact, it is the most important objectives uh, revealed by the report this year. So a hundred percent echoing to what you just, you know, uh, highlighted, um, 20 years on, and you and I, you know, uh, started implementing Eloquas and Salesforce back in, gosh, you know, early 2000. And then, um, now that, you know, this is now being seen as the most important thing. Yet, you know, uh, revenue marketers are not optimized, are not being able to optimize this area. So uh, I really like to actually um, understand a little bit more that, you know, how marketing attribution platforms such as the Caliber Mind can help revenue marketers bridge this gap and help them to gain, you know, the recognitions and respect that, you know, for the effort that they um, they have put in, in the organization. Can you tell tell us a little bit more about that and, you know, how the how platform just at the top level, you know, uh, some of the benefits, you know, um, you have seen. Uh, through the clients that you have that adopting this kind of technology and um, how can the um, revenue marketers take advantage of that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I think that there's two sides to the story. Well, uh, several. So first of all, the the stat that you mentioned as far as the the 70% and the top objective out there, that that is, you know, really exciting to me as, as, you know, kind of an early... um, entering into the space and it's it's nice to see the market catching up and i think the the two other sides of that are one um the economy and and the headwinds we're facing and the uncertainty there are also some stats uh i think over over 60 percent of the of the um uh survey um uh audience they they did have uncertainty with the economy so there's that that piece and then there's the uh, piece of feeling valued as a marketer Right. So it's interesting because, you know, not only 
the CFOs of the world, CMOs are, are increasing pressure to um, drive marketing attribution. And then they are also um, cutting budgets and forcing you to do uh, more with less budget. And then in the light of the economy and buying cycles are slowing down and in software, folks are buying the, the mission critical applications first um, versus 10 years ago is any new shiny object, um, you know, marketing teams would buy. Yeah. So um, where, where does, where does a, a platform like Caliber Mind come in or even, even a build it yourself DIY attribution solution? I, I don't say that you have to buy our tool. I, I'm more thinking like you have to do something and, and have a strategy around it. So get started somewhere. Maybe right. you'll, you'll progress in, into some of the um, more modern solutions out there. So how do we help enable it? So uh, several ways. So first is the um, wrangling of the data. So that's a, a fancy word for saying connecting all the data silos and getting all the data into one consolidated place. Um, when we talk about um, that aspect of it, it has to do with <clears throat> normalizing the data and standardizing it, so centralizing it. So imagine you have um, Eloqua data and its email activity. Yeah. You have all these dates and times and, and prospects in the database. Folks are clicking on the data uh, on the emails. Um, you want to centralize that data with all the other activity data in a similar format. So now I have web visits that maybe are getting tracked by segment or your your web your website platform, maybe uh, maybe HubSpot or you know or, or wherever your CMS is. Then you have offline events and, and Salesforce campaign data. Right. So to be able to centralize this all in one unified schema is seventy percent of the work. When you're say you're trying to set out and build it yourself. That's 70% of the work. So if you can turnkey and get all that data in one place in a normalized, standardized format, that's going to be the first step to break down these data silos. Right. So, so that, you know, that that's a piece of it. And then on top of that, there's um, the cultural shift and, and driving the adoption of, of data and marketing analytics and revenue and having, uh, you know, a slick user interface and, and pre-built models to do that helps as well. So now I have all the data in one place. I have models with um, ready-to-go insights. And um, then from there, I can, you know, begin analysis and, and begin the cultural transition of uh, right. revenue marketing. Do you see that by, um, you know, bringing all this data together, it's uh, um, also in a way that can help with that culture transitions? Because, uh, um, you know, certainly in my experience, you know, uh, a number that itself, you know, sounds sounds great. And um, but it comes with a lot of challenges, uh, um, you know, integrating the data to start out with what data do you integrate? Which direction do you integrate it? Right. And um, when I was uh, a lot of time that, you know, we have an ERP system in large corporates. And do you even integrate uh, some of the financial data? into it as well hmm. right you know all these yeah. questions that um you know this this will dive into the street uh challenging uh challenge area which is the starting point um how do you even get it started you know you as a revenue marketer you recognize that you know um my work is not being recognized because 
I can't really properly effectively present a holistic information to show senior management that, you know, how the effort that we put in that really, you know, lead to XYZ result and how we are utilizing all these insights in tweaking and optimizing the entire program, right? So, um, yeah, so I guess, you know, um, can you, can you tell us, um, some of the foundations, you know, like, uh, um, the critical success factor, so to speak, um, that really need to be put in place in order, you know, to get this data flowing? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. And, and there's, there's an article, I think you mentioned at the end, but we, we actually are, are publishing a do it yourself attribution guide because okay. I think um, if you don't have the budget, you should build it or, or try. Um, <laughs> and so, and in that guide, we talk about a couple principles um, to, to set up marketing attribution. So um, it, one, one piece of it is it's all first party data. And this is a big shift we're seeing uh, in the market with increased um, uh, controls around privacy uh, and, and policies such as GDPR, right. um, et cetera. Um, there's a big movement towards first party data. So if, if it's your data in, in your data warehouse or in your systems, you know, um, it, it, it can't be affected by these, by these, um, governing bodies and, and, you know, Google changes their policy. That doesn't hurt you once you have your data. Right. So, <laughs> so as far as the types of signals, um, when you're building out a first party data set, um, there's, there's many. So first we talked about marketing automation data, yeah. uh, as a, as a cornerstone. So this is form submissions, website visits, uh, email clicks, um, the you know the the digital body language right yeah. <laughs> but Steve Woods and the the Elko guys um, yeah. so uh, you have you have that piece of it marketing automation data you have CRM data which um, has campaign data in it as well um, it, in the form usually of campaign members so this is typically um, all the call to actions that were downloaded demo request. Um, uh, uh, maybe someone came by, uh, did an offline event and came to your trade show and stopped by your booth or your party. So yeah. that's the campaign data in Salesforce. You mentioned cost data, um, not just not just Salesforce either, all CRMs. But um, the cost data is a, is definitely a, a key component to do ROI. If you want to do ROI, the I, the investment yep. portion <laughs> of that formula is important. And so um, I, you know, Strong uh, demand gen marketers and revenue marketers, they do they do a pretty good job of um, keeping their cost data on their campaigns uh, in their CRM. Yeah. So if you if you sponsor a booth for fifty thousand dollars at a trade show, and then you're going to want to put fifty thousand dollars on that campaign, for example, but the cost data doesn't only live on those campaigns. The cost data can also be in your digital channels as well. So yeah. um, an often overlooked component of attribution is integrating with the advertising platforms and right. pulling all of the ad impression data, the ad spend data, cost per lead, cost per impression. And you pull all that and you're actually, um, the, the science and the art of attribution is connecting those dollars spent to the dollars earned uh, and, and booking through revenue and, and pipeline. Um, 
And that's done through um, processes around tagging your UTMs and your, um, your, your web tracking. So when right. someone clicks, clicks through an advertisement, it's very important that the campaign ID in that URL, they come to your, to your site and they, they land on a page. There has to be some breadcrumb or um, you, you, may, you may have heard the term UTM. Right. These, are, these are little tracking strings on your, on your web pages that can link back to a specific ID. Right. And so when you think of, the, of everything we've, we've put in this database to build this attribution, we have the opportunity data. So how much money did I make um, at revenue as a business? I have this campaign data. And then using the UTMs and these web trackers, we're able to triangulate the actual campaign ID down to the ad spend on that day. Right. Now I know how much did this actual response take um, to spend? And then how much did this response generate in dollars? And that's the attribution. Right, got you. Right, and uh, that that thing certainly has gone a long way. <laughs> right, he's <laughs> right. Because really, really, back in the days, the marketing automation is That's like click through rate, open rate. That's all you cared about, right? Yeah, open, <laughs> open rates, and it really just uh, help you to do things faster. That's all, and it's a productivity tools and. Um, most of the systems are not connected and, um, you know, the body, digital body language sounds fantastic. And to achieve it, it's almost impossible. And they really need a top-down approach even, I think. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that, um, you know, even if budget is a problem, um, do it anyway. So uh, I'm very curious and I certainly want to download a, a copy of your DIY yeah, <laughs> um, sure. marketing attribution. Um, so marketers um, are already very time poor, and mm. um, wh- how how would you suggest you know to um, you know do, doing this you know DIYs and you know without the system even flowing, talking, connecting, and talking to yourself, would that even open another can of worms? And uh, um, you know uh, what are some of the measures can be put in place to really help uh, um, to make that happen? Right. And so um, the the lack of resources and, and budget, uh, those were themes in the in the revenue marketing alliance study as well. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, um, I'm just pulling up the numbers here. Yeah. Third. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Third uh, lack the resources to achieve their goals. Yeah. Um, and another third uh, lack the budget to achieve their goals. So, you know, you kind of have to get creative uh, sometimes, and um, this could be borrowing technical resources from other parts of the organization. So, you know, um, when I was at AdRoll, for example, we 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 did a um, build your own DIY, um, and my marketing uh, operations team didn't have the chops or the background to say, write, write SQL queries. They didn't understand how to connect data warehouses or to the Marketo API to export all this data. So we tapped into some resources from our product and our data engineering and our data science teams to to pair with those and get those into our warehouse. And we eventually built the reporting in uh, Tableau. So, you know, I'd say, I'd say um, be creative and, and get in everyone's good graces. So if you do need that favor or need to borrow that resource or that budget, um, Budget and budget engineering is is a, a good way to secure budget. 
So yeah. what do I mean by this? So this is, for example, say you have, um, you know, uh, $50,000 allocated for uh, a marketing attribution solution, but the solution you want is 80,000, for example. You may be able to find other projects within the organization to piggyback onto, to combine forces and budget. Some of these attribution tools, maybe you want to do something like lead to account matching, or you have a data warehouse project or a BI project also in flight, and they're evaluating vendors. Well, you could buy, you know, try to buy a cheap solution, uh, you know, with your budget or buy the right solution at borrowing some budget and tackling some of those use cases together with some of those other teams. Yeah. That's a really great way of um, overcoming budget constraints. Um, partnering with other parts of the organization. Yeah, and to to a lot of degree, um, to me personally, it comes down to really um, market this whole thing as well. It's uh, uh, really setting the uh, selling the benefits, and uh, um, you know, understanding each stakeholders have a different needs, and look at it, um, you know, your organization is growing in a different way, and really selling the benefit to that individual level. And, uh, um, you know, what is in it for the uh, sales folks? You know, if we were able to actually bring all these attribution data uh, to them. So, the, you know, having the right information, to, um, you know, in front of the right people at the right time and really articulating some of the benefits. Um, you know, I, I, I would just Googling, you know, uh, to see some of the, um, you know, benefits, you know, by adopting market, marketing attribution practice or technology. Um, that itself, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, I think I don't need to mention, you know, it's, there's so much benefit about that. Um, you know, we reading, you know, uh, stats like, you know, marketers actually using those attribution insights have, you know, almost three times higher year on year growth. That's incredible. Three times. And that's, you know, 300% in your annual revenue growth um, than those who don't. And so, you know, really build the business case within and manage those stakeholders. I think, you know, um, it's, it's also uh, extremely powerful, you know, because ultimately that uh, um, the budget comes from the top. And <laughs> so managing up, you know, building a business case and selling that stories, um, I think, you know, also also can be really important as part of the, the revenue. It's funny enough, you know, we have to sell internal sales as well. <laughs> There, there's a lot of selling and, and um, driving the alignment with sales and marketing is, is definitely something that attribution can make or break, you know, right. um, you know, if, if you come in and say, oh, this email campaign generated a million dollars of revenue, right? then the, the sales team is like, what am I chop liver? You know, I, you, you missed the time that I took this guy golfing. We went out to a steak, you know, <laughs> it's a business, ABM campaign, all this, right? So um, uh, I, I think take take it with a grain of salt and, and try to think holistically. So when uh, I implement attribution, I do try to partner with the sales and the RevOps team as well and figure out what campaigns are they running? Are right. they using a tool like Outreach or Sales Loft or some sales automation tool? Right. Let's, let's get those touches in the marketing um, attribution model as well, so that um, the attribution we ultimately want to become like Switzerland, you know, completely objective, not biased to one party or the other. Yeah. And, um, t- 
telling the whole story about the the, the buyer journey, especially in B2B, because it's such a long sales cycle. There's yeah. so many different touches and buyers in the in the buying group that um it it's critical for, for to, to be successful, you're gonna need to try to tell that whole story. Um and then, but the the counterpoint to that is you'll never tell the whole story. And to you know really uh embrace that and no no attribution model is perfect. Right. And um, there's always going to be a dark funnel out there. Right. You know, the, the CEO's brother bought your bought your product, right? Because it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, these, right. these things happen. And, and maybe there's not a campaign or a lead source in your system set up for that right. specific t- uh, interaction. But that said, if you get 90% of it right, um, that can make you um, directionally correct and accurate in where you're going to spend your dollars yeah no that, that's this is very interesting because uh, it actually reminded me that the rma summit that you and i attended um one speaker is <laughs> uh, um <clears throat> mentioned exactly that about the attributions and um you know it is a science but also know that it's never going to be perfect I think a lot of time that we forgot about that piece. And then, you know, um, it, it, again, it comes down to stakeholder management, right? Internal stakeholder management, um, you know, really setting up all these expectations and, um, you know, bringing everybody together um, to make it, you know, to to really make our marketing attributions as successful as possible. So it's not just marketers job really mm-hmm. it should be like across you know across the department and uh really should be at the very top level as well um you know it, it needs to have like continuous improvement practice in the in the organization having that kind of culture and uh, knowing that you know it's not going to be perfect but we're going to work towards you know getting better and better insights as well as the data points and useful data points that actually um, make a difference you know, to to the the bottom line, right? Can you tell us a real world example, uh, real world example that you have seen that, uh, um, you know, using, um, you know, whether it's doing the DIY attribution uh, or the, uh, the adopting platform like a uh, Caliber Mind, um, the the um, system itself. I use system, you know, because DIY probably you do some certain things more manually. Um, how that actually break down the data silos and to be able to, um, in, in your experience, have seen some of the success out there? Yeah. So, so it's interesting because DIY today doesn't have to mean manual. There, okay. the, the modern data stack has really evolved. Okay. So when you think of like um, back when we were talking about the early days, the golden age of marketing automation, there were the, everything was a private cloud, meaning you, the data is in Aliqua, you, you can't get it out and you, you don't have access to that, that database or that data, right? Maybe they started to have some APIs, but you still have to, an API is like drinking data through a straw, a whole swimming pool of data. Right. Um, right? But yeah, today, that's a good analogy. you know, today you can build your own swimming pool right. using, using Snowflake or Google BigQuery, uh, Amazon Redshift, uh, Azure. Uh, so each of the major players in the space, whether it's Microsoft or Google or um, Snowflake, they um, have taken a, a warehouse first approach. And because these um, 
you know, Snowflake, I, I don't even know how many billions their valuation is these days, but it because of the ecosystem, this the center of gravity of the data is shifting away from the CRM yeah. to these these data lakes, data warehouses, et cetera. Right. So when Calbermine came to the market, we were we were lucky in our timing in that this modern data stack was just getting popularized and these tools were just available. Right. So, you know, one one concept that shifted is this transition from ETL to ELT. It's it's a nuance, but this means instead of trying to transform the data through this straw on the way in, I'm going to drink the whole swimming pool, put it, and then I'm going to build on top of it and transform the data because storage of data is cheaper than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Sure. So I can have all my data. Right. And so to your, to your question around uh, maybe some stories or anecdotes, it's interesting because a lot of the customers I work with, <clears throat> they have first tried a DIY approach and failed uh, because for several reasons. One, they, they're thinking about it correctly. They, they have a modern data stack. They have a best-in-class BI tool and ELT solution. But there's a couple of gaps. One is a skills gap. Yeah. Um, echoing again the, the revenue marketing uh, survey that was just done, there's a, a, a third of the respondents had this gap where they, they couldn't achieve their goal because of the skill of their resources. So, right. you know, don't be shy to hire consultants or um, add on managed services if you do buy a vendor solution, because chances are it's going to be cheaper than, you know, trying to fix your own dishwasher and then you're just going to break it again and flood the house versus <laughs> yeah. just call a professional the first time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I've, I've had to, I've learned that story, you know, that a couple of times, you know, I don't, I don't try to change my spark plugs anymore in my car. I, I... <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to learn the hard way too. I bought a whole bunch of uh, plumbing tools and then realized that, yeah, I'm not qualified. <laughs> 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 So that's that's a good analogy for it because um yeah the in the the big enterprise projects I've that have started as DIY right. it's fascinating how much time and money they would have saved if they did invest properly up front yeah in a, in a, a buy solution or the right team to do the build right versus we're going to try to build this thing just cuz we know we want attribution but and we know we have this um, old database, this Oracle database somewhere, and some IT guy that can write queries into the database <laughs> doesn't mean you could, you could buy attribution because you also need the best practices. How do I set up all the UTMs? How do I set up my campaign hierarchy and my CRM? How do I set up um, web tracking on my website so that all my web forms and my first party cookies are integrated um, and, and privacy compliant? You know, so there's all these components that you don't think of. Yeah. You set out to do it. And so, yeah, I think, I think in my, my, the stories of which I'm most proud of implementing attribution is when they've tried to do it, this two-year multi-million dollar project, haven't been able to, and then we, we come in and do it in three months, you know, for oh, wow. example. Right. And so it's, it's really fulfilling, you know, we put a lot of thought into the templates, the standardization rules, um, mapping the data is something that takes a lot of time because the data in Eloqua and the data in Marketo look very different, but it's the same data 
it's it's still email and web and form data, but it's in a different shape. And so if your company um, is experimenting with different tools and different channels, all the data is going to be in a different shape when you get it. And so the trick is getting it into apples to apples. So every, all the data in the same shape. And so that's, that's a lot of what we do. Um, and that's a lot of what's overlooked in a DIY approach sometimes is, um, and then having the APIs to the cost data, to the sales data, um, and, and making the, a sales email just as valuable as a marketing email in your reporting. And again, making it apples to apples. So that's critical. Right. Right, right. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, when it comes to say, um, you know, those kind of attribution reporting gaps, um, how can how can platform, you know, if a um, company has a budget to afford the um, attribution platform, um, how can the platform uh, add additional value in terms of addressing reporting gaps? Can you give us, you know, uh, a few? just a couple, like a common use case that, you know, that can actually really help to address those reporting gaps. Yeah, sure. So, so we, so it's interesting to start as an attribution conversation, but it's almost turning into a, you know, data-driven marketing and rep conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of my customers uh, did a, um, a presentation at a trade show and the topic of the, the presentation was, attribution as an accidental way to data-driven everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they started out for attribu- building attribution and yeah. then they realized, well, now we can do better lead scoring and account scoring. Right. Yeah. We can do better True. funnel analytics, right? We can do um, better product analytics and upsell, cross-sell analytics. So it's all the same data set, believe it or not. So in the journey to attribution, in normalizing, collecting, breaking down the silos. Yeah. That's the first piece is, you know, I, I mentioned getting the data in one place. So yeah. that's that's the obvious um, barrier to entry and why, mm-hmm. why a lot of folks never get started. They say, my data sucks. Our, you know, our organization's different. You, you Trust me, you have never seen a, a data organization with as bad a data as we have. That's the, you know, I hear that all the time. But your data is not as bad as you think, you know, if you're doing any type of modern marketing and you have anyone uh, that can um, drive these tools like Marketo and, and Salesforce, then, then they, they're doing something and they have some experience in organizing the data. And having those tools in your stack is a, is a first step. You know, if you're running your email out of, say, MailChimp or uh, more of um, a basic email provider, it's you're, it's not purpose built for some of the modern use cases. So having the tools in place, the you know the best in class tools is a start. And then where the platform really comes in is um, modeling the data. So pretend you were doing a DIY uh, funnel, and you wanted to. A common uh, way this happens is, uh, or maybe in. Uh, a way that people would do it maybe five or 10 years ago is you would build, say, a custom object in your CRM, and this object would be a, a data table of all of your funnel data. So every time a stage changes in your system, add a new row of data in this Salesforce object. But 
in, in reality, the buyer journey isn't linear like no, that, yeah. right? Stages jump from yep. a stage jumps from one to three. Well, then what happens yeah. in stage two, right? And then, and then a stage, uh, and then um, you have a, sep- a separate lead entering from the same account through a different channel. And now is this one journey or two journeys? Right. And so where an attribution solution like CalRemind is uh, coming in is to interpret all the data and make it into a linear report. So picture you in that same situation, you have stage one and stage three. Well, then our, our system would go and read all the data and say, oh, you forgot stage two. We think stage two happened on this day. So now I can track a true conversion rate between stage one, stage two, stage three. Right. This, this may be like a missing piece of data if you try to build it yourself versus the modeling on top. Um, another component where where DIY uh, maybe hits some challenges is when you want to do things like machine learning. There's a whole, whole other set of architecture you need to... Um, some of the more advanced attribution models we built recently, they have a machine learning component to it and to make it more unbiased and um, directionally correct, accurate. So that's a whole other infrastructure. Now you need to be able to run Python code and um, do uh, data training and um, interpret the data in different ways, uh, you know, have alerting if the model goes off the rails and, you know, spits out nonsense results, you know, <laughs> You need a lot, there's a lot more um, um, different skills that need to come in to build, say, uh, a machine learning model than a Salesforce object. So when you go with the platform, you do, you not only get, you know, years of thought into the templating and the field mapping, but you also get um, the skills of a eclectic team that span data science, data engineering, you know, and in a, a easier to use drag and drop interface uh, versus, you know, having to, to hand code everything. No, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, um, just just on that, you know, like I was going to mention about like machine learning and AI the applications in marketing attribution. Um, so it's really complex, you know, like when you given, you know, the, the amount of technology involved. And then now that, you know, we're advancing down to the, uh, the next level using generative AIs and, uh, in a lot of the tasks, you know, uh, the, the marketing deployment needed, right? So, um, would you be able to recommend to um revenue marketers out there to, um what sort of skill set that they really need to invest themselves in to be able to really grasp you know um to really holistically create uh, um the marketing attribution whether it's DIY or using platforms and to get that fundamental mindset right because uh, I I hear from you that uh, one of the big takeaway is really get that right. And then don't be afraid to adopt the, the, the right skill set. Um, you know, for the listeners out there, you know, for them to kind of step up and uh, what areas should they really pay attention? What sort of skills they really need to gain for the future? Yeah, that's that's a great question. The, the modern uh, revenue ops professional has to do a lot more things. <laughs> They have to have a lot more skills in their bag than of tricks than previously. Um, yeah. so it started out where if you're a sales ops, you would get Salesforce certified and that's it. You right. know, you're 
opening ops, you get Marketo certified and that's it. But now there's this whole other ecosystem of tools. Yeah. And so um, a couple ways you can progress your um, effectiveness as a professional that working with data. One is um, uh, SQL is, you know, SQL is a tool that I, I use every day now. I was scared to, to do it when I was practicing marketing. You know, I'm thinking I'm not a coder. I couldn't, you know, break that paradigm of marketing in my, in my Marketo or in my Salesforce and, and think of the, the data. And so SQL is um, intimidating, but really? it is, um, I think, critical in this next chapter. Um, and you, even you could learn it. With, you mentioned generative AI. We have uh, so, so folks on our team. They're, 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 they feed SQL sometimes into into generative AI and have it translated to Python for the engineers. Sometimes <laughs> it's fascinating, you know, it's a huge time saver. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one skill. There's a lot of um, you know classes you could take. I would I would um, just get flashcards on my phone and uh, play little games when I was you know killing time. And uh, that, cool. that was a good way I, I, for me to learn. Um, but what that allows you to do is um, pull, pull much more robust data very quickly versus um, having to build a report in, say, the CRM or the marketing automation tool. You're very limited to the objects that can match together. Uh, to, you're, you're limited to the filters available, for example, in the interface for reporting. But with SQL, I can take this data object over in this one system, this one in the other system, join them up and then make a nice report. And then I could take that export into, you know, if I'm just getting started, cut and paste it into Excel, for example. As a, nice. But to get that source data in the right format, that's what takes a really long time using a report versus a, a SQL data pool. Okay. So that's one of them. Um, the other pieces, um, I'd say, you know, continue to stay abreast of um, the, the industry and what tools are available. So you can, there's a lot of automation tools available um, now for, for Salesforce, productivity, uh, workflows. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't use, uh, for example, Trey or, or Workato, but I, I've seen a lot of folks use tools like that to um, build ad hoc integrations. Okay. Whereas before you would rely on the standard integration between CRM and marketing automation. Now yeah. there's a third tool you want to loop in or a fourth or a fifth. So figure out how to empower yourself to, to do that rapidly. Maybe it's Zapier, maybe it's um, uh, other tools like that to help, help connect these tools up. So yeah, learn, learn SQL, um, learn the larger ecosystem. Um, a lot of the ABM vendors, have uh, a large ecosystem and, and tools available as well. So, you know, challenge yourself to get certified and, and learn other tools as well, whether it's demand base or Sixth Sense or um, we, we use metadata IO for advertising. There's so many awesome tools out there. And then think, but then think, how do I want to report on this data later? Right, 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 right. Yeah, and that that itself. Uh, um, you do need to understand broader business uh, functions as well, right? Because <laughs> uh, reporting for you is one thing, but for the broader business, 
<laughs> right, right. Well, that's really the other piece, piece is, is how do you break out of that operational role into an executive yeah. role? That's, and that's so true. You, right. And that's where you need to understand, maybe take a finance course or, um, you know, the more you can integrate, you know, revenue centricity in your conversations and reporting and, you know, business objectives and goals, I think the better off you'll be because you'll, you'll see those other executives at your organization and, and your board, they'll start to take notice of that. But hey, here's yeah. a very revenue-minded, even though they come from an operational background, yeah. they're a very, um, you know, top line and bottom line uh, motivated individual. Um, and that, that, that skill goes a long way. Yeah, no, um, these are great advice, Nick. Thank you so much. And uh, um, yeah, we, we are a little bit limited in time today. And uh, um, so if uh, our listener want to uh, find out a bit more about uh, um, this subject, and do you have any like a recommended resource that uh, you can uh, guide our listeners and uh, to read more about, uh, um, you know, attributions and, and also that what you mentioned, the DIY um, attribution as well? Sure. Yeah. So our, our website's calibermind.com. Right. And um, if you go to slash thought dash leadership, there's uh, the DIY attribution series in there. So some great articles, um, step-by-step from very basic to advanced. Um, you could subscribe to our revenue marketing uh, report newsletter there. Um, or feel free to reach out, uh, email or LinkedIn to me directly. I, I love um networking with other revenue marketers. So it's just NIC at calvermind.com. And uh, LinkedIn is slash Nzangri. Nzangri, fantastic. No, that's great. Um, I always ask uh, um, my guests on the show to, um, the same questions and um, to end the podcast. And uh, if you have uh, the ability to predict future, and uh, what would you say the next biggest thing will be for marketing attribution? <laughs> yeah, um, well, I, you know, there's definitely some generative AI there. Uh, right. Our, our, it's hard to, you know, have any conversation these days without talking about it. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> I mean, the possibilities really are endless. I mean, asking questions to your data, making predictions about the data, the the, the challenge is going to be that generative AI is not very good at math. Uh, you, right. can, you can say it, it's, you know, trying to predict words. And so sure. um, the, the future is about getting the data in such a format that it's ready for generative AI in a, in a, um, a vector format so that it can be easily queried with natural language. Okay. So that's where I really see it going. I think, you know, how many MQLs did I produce last quarter? And then how many will I produce next quarter? Right. To a simple question like that, there, there's, you know, probably a thousand lines of SQL maybe, you know, <laughs> or, or fewer if you have a, a, a pre-built solution, but still it needs to understand where to get that data. What's an MQL, you know, there's, there's all this, um, all this nuances, but it's something I know uh, the Calvermind team is hard at work at. And all of our customers are already asking for it, you know? Okay. And so that's wow. where I see the attribution market going is, and whoever's going to win is, is whoever's going to have their data in the most um, ready format. Yeah, or, right. Or absolutely. 
Yeah, I was gonna exactly ask that. You know, um, you you guys are already on onto that, and <laughs> love to see some use cases coming. I hope up. We, I hope we we have a leg up because we've we've been organizing the data for so many years. Yeah. It's just one more step for us. So you know, fingers crossed, we'll we'll be there at the forefront, and um, you know, the, we'll use this as a great opportunity to empower more. Uh, you know, less technical marketers and technical marketers that want to save time, you know, so. Yeah, keep keep us updated on that front. For well. sure. <laughs> so uh, again, I want to thank Anit to coming on the show. And um, by the way, that uh, before we go, I want to remind our listener to, uh, again, download the 2023 RMA uh, State of Revenue Marketing Report. Um, it has, you know, a lot of insights and it will show you that, you know, what your peers are thinking, the challenges they face, and also, you know, some of the um, new activities, you know, other organizations adopting. So again, that um, thanks everybody for tuning in to um, Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. Thank you, Nick, again for uh, coming on the show and for sharing with us. Thanks for joining us on Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. Don't stop now. There's more to explore. Dive into our other captivating episodes where we uncover revenue boosting strategies, insider secrets and inspiring success stories. Get ready to unleash your marketing potential and stay ahead of the game. Keep listening and enjoy the next episode.